I need to thank my friend Mr. Ben Lewis at Roman Home. Mr. Ben has designed a really awesome tent. It's a cross between a wall tent and a range teepee. It's built to take tough weather, high winds. Craftsmanship is amazing. And it's made right here in the USA. Right here in Utah, USA. And uh, right now, Ben has a special going on. You can save 500 bucks. And uh, go to romanhome.com. Roman spelled R-O-A-M-I-N. Romanhome.com. And uh, tell Ben hello. Tell him Ty sent you. friends welcome to the everyday mealmanship podcast i'm ty evans and i got some awesome folks here with me today some good men uh i got my intern hunter hollenbeck all the way from the black hills <laughs> emphasis on hills right yeah south dakota and then i got my mentor and just somebody i've looked up to since i was a child uh brad cameron Glad to have you here, Brad. Thank you very much, Ty. Glad to be here. Good yeah. to see you again. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't make you feel too old, you know, since I've been a child. Well, <laughs> it doesn't. Okay. I mean, I'm getting there, so I got to admit it sometime. Glad so, to have you. Well, good. I'm glad to be here. It's been long. We've been talking about this for quite a while, yeah. so it's uh, it's good to get it done and, and uh, get out there. I know that uh, a lot of my former clinic people are now riding with you and that could mm-hmm. make me happier that's good that you're out there doing it and they're still wanting to learn and improve and so it's all a good thing oh heck yeah <clears throat> i haven't rarely do i go, go to any clinics especially in the west though but any clinics that that somebody wasn't a student of yours or one of your saddles floating around or or something i see some brad cameron is out there you know, or I ask, you know, hey, do you guys know anything about this groundwork? Or have you seen any videos? Yeah, I've watched Cameron videos, you know, and, and that. So, you know, the Bridal Mule series and all that you had. And, and uh, anyways, so your legacy lives on. Well, that's good. And that's yeah. amazing to me, frankly. Yeah. But uh, but but that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That's pretty cool. I was just, uh, let's see, who <clears throat> we was just doing a cult starting. Down at my place in Utah, and there's some of your saddles down there. And, oh, is there? And, uh, but they, they didn't put together, they, they didn't really realize who, I'm like, oh, Brad Cameron sells. Like, yeah, they, they're good saddles. I'm like, you know, who, you know who that guy was? <laughs> <laughs> that was legend. So, uh, hey, I appreciate you doing this though, Brad. I know, uh, Brad thought we was going live. And of course, it, you're listening right now. Then, you know, these people listening, they're listening live in their own time. Sure. But, anyways, uh, yeah, so when when I mess up, we can uh, we can uh, edit it out and everything. But uh, we'll keep everything you say because yeah, if be, I mess up, it's gonna, gonna be pure there, gold. Right? Yeah, it's gonna be good. <laughs> it's gonna be good. But um, Brad, uh, let me let me tell everybody how how I come to know you, and I think I knew you before you, you knew me because well, I sure. I knew of you when I was just a kid. Um, I remember coming to a clinic, um, the the, uh, the Mendenhalls. I think it was the Mendenhalls put on in Alpine, Utah. Alpine, okay. You remember that? Yeah. Long. Yes, it was a long. It was a long time ago, but anyways, uh, that's when I come to know you. Um, uh, but I didn't really, I, I didn't really start really getting into this stuff until a buddy of mine, a buddy of my dad's, 
give me your whole series of videos. Oh, I see. And at that time, I don't know, maybe I was 13, 14-ish. Hmm. And I know that's about that time because that's when I kind of started taking over from my dad training. My dad started Colts, and he got hurt pretty good. And hmm. and it was about that time I, I kind of had to step up as a, as a man, try to be a man, you know, a man boy, yeah. you know, and, and – uh, but that gave me a little bit of freedom to go, you know, look around, sure. you know, when you're working for dad before that, it's, yep. you, you do what dad says, but yep. you know, I had a little bit of a, you know, the rubber band got stretched out a little bit and I could, uh, seek learning and, you know, and, and then I can't remember, uh, I can't remember what year that was though, but, um, I was just, you know, a lot of stuff you're doing, I look back now, I had no idea but what it was, what you're doing, especially the groundwork. I didn't grow up. My dad groundwork was sacking them out with a saddle pad. And then uh, they were tied to the ground with a post and you got on yeah. <laughs> and then dad let them loose. You know, that's how I grew up. Yeah. And so uh, this old groundwork stuff, the circles and all the crap they do in circles out there. And, you know, you know, and as a rookie, I don't, I can't tell that you're trying to move the hinds and move the front end and sure. Yeah. You don't see it. Sure. But anyways, that's how I got to know you. But then we kind of, you know, uh, I didn't get a chance to go to any, any of your other clinics, but I watched videos and I, you, you've wrote articles, um, lots of articles and lots yes. of things. And I've got a hold of, I got a, I got a file of all these, these things that you've done that I've studied, you know, but, uh, anyways, rounded out, we didn't kind of connect again until, uh, you, you had retired and, um, yeah. you sent me an email and I saw an email pop up, Brad Cameron. Well, Brad Cameron sent me an email, <laughs> you know, and, uh, scrolled down and, and I ended up buying your speakers. And in fact, they're, I'm still using them. Very good. They're, they're getting used. Good. How old would those speakers be now? Um, well, I don't Shoot. know right off the top of my head, but they're, yeah, they're, I've had them for, for quite a while and you've had them for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, I've had them for, I think I bought them for me in 16 or, yeah, 16 or 17. Something, or something like that, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just a good setup, and it's easy to mm, yeah, it's great. use, and yeah. So yeah. I'm glad you got them, because they're, that's a good deal, good setup. Yeah, I love them, but anyways, that's, that's my introduction of you, but you've, you've done a ton in your life, you're a packer, outfitter, you've, uh, you, you did clinics for 20 years on the road, all over the U.S., and helped uh, just hundreds and th you know thousands of people you've helped and um, you you I mean you've done so much good so anyways and now you own the bridal horse shop and I building do. you just built me a, a gorgeous head stall just I can't wait to put my bid on it and good. put it on a mule and use yeah. it up and, and uh, but anyways uh, why don't you introduce yourself other than that tell you can tell about your family tell about your you know uh, your life here in the Bitterroot Valley and you live in an awesome place. This is it is a pretty awesome place. Yeah. yeah, I was fortunate to grow up here, and, and uh, my folks were outfitters, as you said, and so uh, that's what I grew up with, which couldn't have suited me any better. Um, basically, growing up in a hunting camp and and uh, wilderness pack trips and all this kind of stuff, so that worked pretty good for me. And we had a lot of horses, and we had a lot of mules, and. In those days, everybody rode a horse and packed a mule. That's just the way that was. 
And so I grew up with that, but I always liked the mules. I just, there was just something about them that uh, I always liked them pretty well. And, and uh, so later on, it was uh, a lot easier for me to start directing some uh, attention and some horsemanship things. Once I figured it out toward the mule and everybody's doing horses, I figured they didn't need one more. So, so <laughs> I just liked the mules and, and, uh, so it was, uh, it was pretty easy to stick with them when I started and, uh, it kind of, uh, started for me similar to the way it started for you. I happened to watch a guy's, uh, video one time and I was so clueless that, uh, it was beyond belief, but, uh, and I suddenly realized what was taking place in the introduction of this video, videotape, it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, holy smoke. And so then I really got wrapped up in it and I bought everything the guy made and watched and studied. And I mean, I studied it like a college course and started applying it to some of the mules I had. And, and uh, it went on and on and I actually learned some things in spite of myself and and uh, then uh, at the same time I was doing saddle making I was building saddles and was uh, that was kind of where I wanted to head was to be a saddle maker and uh, so pretty soon it got to where this mule thing really kicked in and I was started taking colts for the public and riding them and uh so it got to be where i almost had to make a choice uh, which thing i was going to go with in my life and and i i wasn't really i wasn't 13 years old let's put it that way it took me a long time to kind of get to that point but um i liked them both quite a bit and i just decided i'll go with whichever one takes off and sure enough it's the mule deal that took off the quickest and uh but when that happened, I saved all my tools and all my machinery and everything. And, and so it was an easy thing to, after yeah, 20 years or so, it was an easy thing to slip back and, and start in on that again, although I don't make saddles now, but uh, lots of good strap work and things. Oh, like yeah. This piece that uh, I brought for you today. So beautiful. Thank you. This is amazing. <clears throat> I mean, if any of you guys want a dang nice head stall, Brad is your man. Uh, Brad, I want to go back. Um, I want to go back to your childhood uh, growing up. Parents as outfitters. You're on the mountain probably all the time. Uh, were they primarily hunting guides or did you guys do the dude trips in the summers, packing? Or what, what, was, uh, well, what was your childhood like? It was uh, my dad. Actually, this was in the late 60s. And he was uh, one of the first guys, if not maybe the first guy, to uh, be an outfitter year-round. And so he was a big hound man And uh, back when that was pretty rare. So there was, uh, well, we started with spring bear hunts and then the summer pack trips and fishing trips, fall hunting trips, winter lion hunts, and then, you know, it started all over again. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, and... Uh, and we had a, that's a pretty nice country in the south end of the Bob Marshall that we packed in and hunted in and things. And so I spent a lot of time there as a 
young guy. And like I say, it couldn't have suited me any better because that's just what I needed was yeah. the great outdoors. But uh, so that's still in me by by quite a bit. And um, there was a kind of an interesting story. But when I was pretty young, there was a gentleman that came to work for my dad. And he was a famous packer from Idaho. And uh, for whatever reason, he came over and and uh, was going to work for my dad. And it must have been quite a hubbub because I was maybe 10 years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. Must have been quite a hubbub around the place because I mean, everybody was excited about oh, this yeah. fella showing up. And he did. And, and uh, he wasn't a famous individual that anyone would hear of unless you were you're in the in that in that little you know yeah deal and uh and this guy was really quite a mule man he just loved mules and uh so he worked for my dad for a few years i don't remember now how long but he he was quite an influence on me and I hung around him as much as I could. Most of the time he was in camp doing things. But if he was at home there, maybe in the corral shoeing or something like that, man, I was out there watching this guy. And I learned a lot from this guy, a lot about packing and everything else. But And I've, I've told this story to many people at the clinics. That, but the biggest thing I learned from this guy was how to be around him because he was just, totally easy going. I don't care what kind of a wreck was going on in front of you. He just easy going and smooth and, and, uh, mules appreciated that. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've still to this day work at trying to be that way. I'm not that way. It's not my nature. I'm like, well, by golly, okay, we got to get going here. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, so I, I have to work on it all the time and I still do, but uh, that was his nature, and he was such a great mule man. And he ended up living here in the valley. His name was Jack Eden, and uh, fantastic guy. And um, but he was quite an influence on me. And I didn't know I was doing anything with mules or clinics or anything else. But I just learned that from him, and I just kind of carried that with me. And it's a it's a great thing to to know. And you know this, I'm sure. You work with a lot of touchy stuff, and. And even in the clinics, goers, somebody can have the gentlest mule there, but the stranger goes over to take a hold of it. And this mule's like, all right, I don't know about this guy. And so you have to have the right demeanor to kind of get along with different mules and situations like that. But anyway, I learned that from that guy way early on. But regardless of that, uh, it was a good place to grow up. And then, you know, I'd get out of school and go guide for a hunt or two and in pack and so it was uh learned a lot there oh yeah you know it, one thing i've noticed and you uh you have been around a lot of great horsemen mulemen but uh would you agree that these these good hands just about every one of them they have an awareness about them like they're just able to be aware of, of the animal like it yeah. seems like some people just are oblivious yeah and the mule is is backing off from them or showing some some tension and the person just oblivious just yep. farts in there you know yeah but somebody that's a little aware they can they can see that mule maybe 
kind of fade here or fade there and they can pause sure and just give them that moment yep, or moment, just yeah. just change you know I, I try to teach people just change your angle of approach you know you you're walking up to that mule on the left side and the mule starts to walk forward well all all it might take for you is just two steps to your left yep. and now you're ahead of that balance point so you know but these good hands just they have that in them and yeah. they don't have to think about it they yeah. just got it yeah it just happens but when you're learning you have to think about sure, it yeah. you, you, you got to think and you got to make a mistake you got to screw up you send the mule through the fence and yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you go go start over again you know uh you know i've been around cows a lot and i feel like the cows have taught me more about the mules than the mules have it could be learning yeah. about those balance points because cows are so much more sensitive than than the than the mule typically sure or at least the average mule that i'm around but you know you can get ahead of a cow behind a cow wrong angle of a cow and it sure enough will go through that fence mm-hmm. you know of course that's your opportunity to catch it again yeah <laughs> now we get a rope <laughs> but if you don't want a rope you better you better choose your angles yeah but and it's just that awareness uh, in my cow working classes, I try to tell people, watch the cow flick a tear. It'll just tip its nose. It'll, yeah. uh, I mean, there's some something to even how they flick their tails. The directions they're going to go or where the pressure is. And if you just watch that, yeah. but these good hands you're talking about, what was his name again? Well, this guy's name was Jack Eden. Jack. So he just, he could probably just, you know, read those mules. Yeah. And it may seem like a fellow like that was just super, so easy going. And, and he was, but his awareness was probably sure. what made him that way. Sure. And, uh, but that's something that, you know, you mentioned you've worked out a long time, but you, you know, watching you work, you, you have that, you can, you know, you can just see that in the mule. The hard part is these people that come to the clinics, they don't understand how many hundreds, thousands of mules that takes to develop. Like, yeah, you does. don't just work one mule and, and get to have that, yeah. you know, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It is once you have that little bit of a feel there going, it's so much fun to work it. Oh yeah, on a mule. Sharpen I, it up. Yeah, I, you know, I had a got a mule here uh, a couple years ago, I guess. Free mule, my first free mule, and uh, so I didn't know how much this thing was going to cost me. But <laughs> yeah, and uh, but well, they were having some problems with her, and one of the things was it couldn't catch her and different things, and uh, but I kind of liked her. So anyway, I took her home and, and, uh, she just never was hard to catch, but you had to know enough to give her a minute. Yeah. You just got to give her a minute to get ready and then go catch her. But if you didn't give her a minute to get ready, then she'd evade you. And I, yeah. so there's all kinds of these, just little things that, um, and in a teaching situation, you can't think of everything to explain well, they can people only... like that, you know, it's just, uh, well, just like the mules, you can only give them so much at a time. You yeah, can't right. just puke on them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just, here's everything. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. you gotta break it down into little pieces for yeah. the people as well. But yeah. Yeah. So growing up outfitting, sounds like you had just a childhood uh, that every outdoor boy would just, would just love it. Yeah, I think you know? so. I mean, shoot, <laughs> you gotta do, you gotta do it all. And, and uh, probably put a, put moral miles on as a child than most adults do in their entire life. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, uh, and packing, I mean, you know, better than anybody, man. Uh, you know, 
if if you've packed a mile, you've learned something, you know, sure. because that, that first one mile shakedown, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, is there any, uh, is there any stories from your, your, your childhood that maybe you want to share any, any, uh, any standout moments of packing uh, that, or, or, or any of your outfitting that you'd want to share that folks would like to hear? I'm, I'm sure you've got a million stories. Probably hard to pick do. one. Um, a, a learning lesson, maybe a, a moment with a mule, with a horse, losing something, doing something, whatever that. Well, uh, there's a lot of stuff. But uh, I don't. Nothing really jumps out sure. as the you know that one wreck. Or, so so <laughs> yeah. But so your dad, your, your dad. I mean, you you growing up, you ended up being a teacher. You know, uh, teaching folks. Was your dad a teaching type of person? Did he? He was. Any, uh, any big lessons that he said? You got to remember this, boy. You do this, or you're not my kid. You know, or whatever. <laughs> well, my dad was a, actually a, a school teacher for a while when he got oh. out of college. Okay. And, uh, and then he went on in his business, he went on and we kind of faded out of the summer pack trips and fishing trips. And he started a big school for guides in the summertime and did several of those during the course of the summer. So all the teaching skills went into that Yeah, I bet. as far as he was concerned. And, uh, it was, uh, I wouldn't call myself a natural teacher. I had to work at it. Mm-hmm. And uh, to when I started doing clinics, uh, the first few, I suppose, they probably weren't much, but it was the best I could do. Mm-hmm. And But you really, or myself anyway, really had to work at figuring out how to teach. That was, that was a tough one. And uh, I just, funny, I guess I just realized that like the mules, you just, whatever it is you're trying to teach the people, you got to break it down into little pieces and the littler pieces you can give them, the better they can understand it. And, and, uh, that was my, that's my major thing, I guess, as far as teaching goes, but I had to work at it. It wasn't just there. It wasn't easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but. so, uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, you, you, you started building saddles. So how many years did you build saddles? before you kind of got into the clinic deal? Oh, it was, it was quite a while. I got started. Um, I became acquainted with, uh, a cowboy on the, what was the flying D ranch over out of Bozeman. And at that point in time, this would have been in the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties. And it was a big cowboy outfit. And, uh, so the cow boss on the one end of that, was also a saddle maker. He had a little shop out there and he built some saddles in the winter and I got acquainted with him. And <clears throat> part of that also, uh, that was about the time that Kurt Marcus was uh, putting all these articles without these buckaroos out there and their cool saddles and all their gear. And I never knew any of that existed either. And, and so I got really enamored with all that. And, uh, and I just had an old trail saddle, you know, big swell fork thing. And, and, uh, well, anyway, I got interested in maybe building one and I'd done leather craft as a kid. So I had a little bit of experience with some of that stuff. And so he kind of got me started and bought me a few necessary tools and a tree and got all the stuff I needed and helped me build a saddle. And so that was a lot of fun. So I just kind of kept going with it, but, it was a, 
it wasn't as a job necessarily. It was just a spare time deal. So, so the first saddle he built was it a, on a wade tree? What kind of saddle was it? No, it was actually an association, association tree. tree. Yep, swell fork saddle. And somebody bought the thing, <clears throat> so that fueled me to do another one, of course. Oh yeah. And uh, one of my when I I did a few of those and moved here and there and and uh, <clears throat> but the the one place I was living out of Galton Gateway, Montana. There, I needed a shop to work in, and there was a uh, there was a pretty good old it was an old farmhouse kind of a place that i was renting and there was a chicken coop out back and it had a good roof on it and <clears throat> once i got it all shoveled out you could actually even stand up straight in the thing <laughs> and so that was my first official <laughs> shuttle shop in this old chicken coop, chicken coop saddle so, shop yep so all right i built quite a few there and then i had the opportunity uh to go to jordan valley oregon for the big loop rodeo oh, there yeah. and i got at that time, it was a juried show, so you had to be picked if you could bring gear there oh, okay. as a vendor. So, and they told me I could, so I went there for a few years and uh, did pretty good there. And so I was then <clears throat> at one point in time, I had a saddle shop in Helena for a little while, and uh, so I was kind of on my way. But as I got on my way with the saddles, why this darn mule thing started going on its way too. And so it, uh, like I say, it ended up taking over. I was working on a place over out of the Tostin, Montana there and, and, uh, had an opportunity to do quite a bit of work and I was building saddles and I, there was an outfit out of Bozeman called Bridger Creek Outfitters and they hired me to do all their strap work. So I did all their strap work <clears throat> during the eighties, late eighties, early nineties through there. And so that was kind of a looking back. That was a good uh, training ground for all this stuff that I'm doing now, I guess. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Yeah. You sure you learned a lot. And when you're working, uh, <clears throat> when you're building stuff or working cowboy too, I mean, it gives you a chance when they bring in all their, their gear, it's busted up and you know, they rip this, they rip that. It, it sure. helps you to say, Oh, if we do this different, do that different. I mean, it probably give you a lot of education there. It does. Yeah. How to build some, quality yep. stuff so. that and the fact if you're if you're a guy out there riding and using a saddle yep. then you have a lot better idea what's going to go wrong and what needs to be a little tighter here or mm -hmm. a little firmer there and then if you're not doing that absolutely yeah hey we're going to take a quick break right now and uh and uh when we get back here we'll continue with brad hey you want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout out to my buddy Colton Erring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom built saddle that fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Saddlery. You find him on Facebook, Colt Saddlery, and uh, tell him Ty sent you. He will take good care of you. Okay, Brad. Well, uh, let's kind of talk about your transition into the mules then. So you've told us about your your saddle days and building gear and a little bit and then you've you got the the bug of the mule so did you start well you said a little bit you started riding for the public some so was you getting colts in or what was you doing i was getting colts in yeah yeah mules started out, and... actually started out i bought some of my own young mules and got yeah. them started and then uh started taking some in for the public and and whatnot so yeah that's a heck of a way to learn 
you know, it is. when you're, it's when you're working for hard knocks. Now. Yeah. <laughs> when you're, you know, when you're writing for the bubble, for the public, I mean, you know, especially it seems like, I don't know what it was, you know, in the horse industry, there's all sorts of different, different niches, you know, and cultures and, and businesses, you know, you can be a cutting horse trainer. You can, you can go train barrel horses. You can go train rope horses. You can, you know, do the, the stock work. I mean, whatever you want, but it seems like when you put your, your title out there, you hang your shingle out there. It says mule trainer. Yeah. <laughs> you, can get, you can get anything. Yeah, it's wide open. I mean, and, uh, and you know, knowing mules, uh, if they're easy, usually the people just get on them and they can make them kind of go down the trail. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to get them to sure. just go down the trail. So if they, if they couldn't do it, that's when it seems like that when I was training, that's the calls I'd get, you know, yeah. I, can't, oh, yeah. I can't, this thing isn't easy. So, you know, especially when you're starting out. Uh, so you, you got any, uh, you got any, any training stories from that time? Did you get any mules in or, or horses in or anything that, that really taught you something at that time? Can you- I did one of my own, uh, was the young mule that I bought. And this was during the time, um, I told you about, I discovered this guy's videotapes and all of a sudden I, there was all this stuff to learn. And, oh, yeah. and so I'd, man, I'd study and watch these. And then I go out to the crowd, like, okay, I got it and get on and off you'd go and back down and watch <laughs> the videotapes again. And then back to the crowd, okay, I think I got it now. Yeah. So there was uh, some of that stuff going on, but, uh, Does that sound one... familiar, Hunter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But one in particular mule. She is a real, oh, she's a pretty thing, and but she's real touchy, and uh, so I got her going, and uh, she was going pretty good, and so we had a our mule club over here. This is when I was over out of Tostum on this place. They had some kind of a mule day get together kind of a thing, so we came over and I brought that mule over, and it was for people selling mules and whatnot. And I was just riding her around and uh, uh, people were kind of amazed. They thought she was pretty nice. And, and I thought, Oh geez, I, I didn't want to sell her. I just showing her around. But anyway, nobody asked about it till I got home. And then this one lady called me and said, how much you want for that mule? I said, it's not for sale now, <laughs> but uh, they had, what they had done was they taught me into coming to the Montana mule days. Yep. And I never showed anything. I didn't know the first thing about it. So the next spring there, I brought that mule to Mule Days. And we did all the stuff and ran here and there and whatnot. And and then I got back home. And for some reason, which I didn't know anything about it at that time, but for some reason, got home and yeah, we were doing some little thing. Well, she blew up and buck and. Sometimes she'd buck me off and sometimes I'd get a road, but she would, she'd got to really blowing up like every day and I couldn't figure it out. And so there was a friend of mine. He was a cowboy, real good cowboy. He had a ranch over out of Norris and uh, I got to talking to him about it. So he volunteered to come take a look at her. So he drove up, took a look at her and he started pointing out all these things that you don't see when you don't know. And uh, so that really got me intrigued. And so I really started working on this and all these little things that he showed me. And then there was a lot of times I'd go to his place if he was starting Colts and we'd hang on around pin fence and watch him start Colts. Well, anyway, 
I ended up uh, getting this. This mule came around, and that was the first mule I started doing clinics on. Was her? Which mule is that? Uh, her name was Annie. Annie. And uh, so she turned out to be a real nice mule. But uh, <clears throat> if I'd have just give up on it or said, ah, heck with it or whatever. But I, what I did was I pushed her way too hard at the show. And, mm. and, and you know, I had a saddle that didn't fit and all these things kind of worked together. But she was, there was all these little things as well that Rowan pointed out that, uh, you know, she couldn't look at you square on and, you know, she was kind of one-sided, but I didn't know anything about that kind of stuff and all kinds of little things, but got all worked through it. And, uh, and so she turned out to be a, a real good meal. And, uh, so I ended up having her till she got old and died. So, wow. Yeah. Those are the ones you, you learn on though. I mean, they are, <laughs> you yeah. know, if you, when you ride that easy mule that just clicks along, uh, I mean, it's fun and you know, not gonna lie, it, you enjoy that. You enjoy the. Sure. Oh, this is. You, you feel like you're pretty handy, but it's those ones that are challenging that make you, make you take a look and yeah, slow down and and uh, yeah, I, I'm always looking kind of for those things. It seems like they fall in my lap sometimes. I got a meal I'm working right now that's, you know, just a little little touchy like that, a little challenging and, uh -huh. yeah, you you take a look and you're like, oh well, yeah, there's that. I missed that, and you got this and that piece and, but. It's all the small details, and this, I try to tell people in class all the time. It's all these little pieces that make up the big picture, and, and you got to have these little pieces. It might seem, you know, I, I think a lot of people when you're working on some of the small pieces, like, you know, how to move the hind quarters, moving the front, or you know, maybe picking up that that soft feel, you know, or that light response, mm -hmm. as you call it, right? Um, you know, uh, maybe they're doing it. Maybe it's a little boring to them. Like, oh, why are we doing this little thing? You know, it's, what's so great about this? Yes, but exactly. it's all those things put together that that make that mule. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't. When they look at the good hand out there and they see somebody like you riding out there, they go, "Oh, well, it looks easy." <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, guy like you good. makes it look good. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's not that big a deal. You know, but they don't see all the little pieces that go into that. Yeah. You know, on it too. And that's a good thing you said. All those little pieces put together is what makes that. And yep. if you leave some of those pieces out, then uh, when well, not all of them are put together, then those little pieces that you left out, they get big someday. It'll catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Catch up to you, you know, and, <clears throat> and a lot of those small pieces too, you know, people don't realize that you're, you're building, it's a building block. You, you know, you, you got to have this to prepare for, for, for this, you know, if you yes. want to, you know, trying to get a leg yield, well, there's, there's pieces you got to have in there, you know, you, you got to have a soft feel and you got to have some lateral flexion and forward motion and control of each quarter. If you're missing a piece though, then you just get a leg waller. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe you're going that way, you know, but it ain't, it's yeah. not how it should be. And then, then next thing you know, you go to ask them to leg yield down the road and, they they plug up on you or they they bang it up and you're like well, geez, what's wrong with you well we built brace and there's, there's you know, that's just one example i mean you know a million of them but uh yeah it's a it's a big deal so annie ann annie 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 yeah. taught you she taught she you some did. stuff taught me a lot of stuff and uh you know if you fan learned all that little things about how to work with it around this touchy business then mm -hmm. i might have been a long time after that trying to figure it out but just having to be at the right time at the right place. So, 
you know what's interesting is is I, I really appreciate people because it's the people in your life, you know, who you surround yourself with or, or the people that you engage with or you, you partake of. Uh, that's what makes you who you are. So you've, you've named a few people already. You've talked about your dad outfit and a uh, great influence on you. Started mm-hmm. you he, he, developing your interest in this. Sure. And you talked about Jack, the meal man. Yeah. That give you an example of who you kind of like, Hey, I want to be like that guy. Yeah. You know, I, I want to move like that guy around the meal. Right. Yeah. And then you've talked about uh, this video you watched. Do you want to tell, do you want to, do you mind saying who, who the video was? Sure. It was Buck Brandon. Buck, yeah. So you, so you got influenced by Buck. Mm-hmm. That was the, it was the first videotape he ever made. Yeah. When he's, he's a little awkward in that video. And, uh, but, yeah. But uh, yeah, the things great. that were going on in there was like, I had no clue yeah. that that could happen. So yep. I remember sit there and rewound it and watch that intro like five or six times before he went on with the rest of the yeah. <laughs> rest of the yeah. video. But it's great. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, great horseman. And then, so you got, so you got these guys and then you've, you've got uh, this cowboy that come and helped you with, with Annie. And isn't it interesting? It's like a, a, a breadcrumb trail of, of each little piece le- leads yeah. you to become who you are, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, that's, that's fascinating to me. You know, it's kind of like along, like with my life, you know, how it's just little pieces that sure. have, have led me to the different, different, different avenues. So sure. it's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you just need those, you need those, you need those people. And that's why I try to tell everybody you learn, you can learn and, and uh, you just never know that tough mule led you to that cowboy that, uh, that gave you some tips and, yeah, you you yeah. had a mule for life there. Yeah, I mean, sure uh, did. If you would have sold that mule, that mule days, well, would have been their problem, you know, or maybe sure. not theirs or oh, not. Yeah, maybe not. But but think of what you wouldn't have learned. Yeah, it's just for amazing. Sure. For sure. So <clears throat> you 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 train for the public a little bit, and you you you're starting some of your own. You're selling some of your own. That type of deal. What what pushed you to the the clinic avenue uh, well, How, how'd you fade there what pushed me was our our mule group over here in the valley they said because uh, i told you they really liked annie and the way she worked and whatnot so they wanted me to do a clinic and i said there's no way and because uh, <laughs> i figured at the time i was so far behind i uh, maybe maybe they think i'm in first place but i figured everybody <laughs> must know this but me and so I, I turned it down for quite a while, and finally they talked me into doing it. And so I came over, it was over here in the valley. I came over here in the valley and did my first clinic, and there was a few people there. And uh, there was uh, some people there in that clinic from Washington. So we finished the clinic, and they said, oh, my gosh, you got to come out to our place and do one. So, okay. So I went out to their place and did one. And then somebody else, oh, you got to come here and do one. So I ended up over that one clinic that I was going to do. I did seven that summer. <laughs> Just by people saying, oh, you got to come. Come over here. Come over here. Yeah. And, and uh, so then after that, I thought, well, I kind of like this, mm-hmm. you know, helping people. And you get to see a lot of nice mules and helping mules. So I kind of thought that was going to be the deal in it. So I pushed towards that and it was, it wasn't a really instant thing. You uh, riding colts for the public and doing some clinics along the way. And eventually 
got to where I could uh, do away with the writing for the public and just do the <laughs> clinic. So, <laughs> you know, you think that's easier on you until you you start doing your foundation class and you get drugged down the arena. <laughs> <laughs> And it happens every week because, you know, like when you start a cults, at least you get a lot out of the way one week and then you kind of yeah. figure out, oh, not doing this next week. Just start over again, get drugged down there again. Yeah. We're plowing arenas all over the place. Right. Well, that's pretty interesting. Do you, do you remember back, uh, what kind of things you, you would, would have talked about and, and things you would have taught those first, you know, the first year, two, three of doing clinics. Do you remember your process back then? Cause I know for me, um, I just hit 10 years in, in May. It was, it, was, it was 10 years doing this. Good for you. Yeah, but I even look back to 10 years ago. And I think about those first couple of years of clinics. I'm like, oh, boy, I wish I could. You know, because <laughs> you know, a lot of those people that come in the beginning, you know, they don't. I mean, a few of them have. I have some people that are still coming 10 years later. Cool. But, I mean, the majority of them, let's be honest there. They're out of here, right? <laughs> but I wish I could go back and redo it. Like I'm, I'm sorry, I'll change that, you know, or I'll, I'll say that different, you know. But yeah. do you remember what kind of things you used to do in those first few years, or how it went for you? Oh, just basic, just your basic kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> I think I always did the halter driving. Yeah, always. And uh, whether whether the people liked it or not, but they they got better at it. And uh, but just the simple, just bending laterally and moving the hindquarters and some of those simple kind of things. And because uh, that has to be in place, as you know, for about anything you want to do from saving your life to more advanced moves. Yeah. And so a lot of it was just that kind of stuff. And at that point in time, <clears throat> nobody heard of that. Nobody knew about that. And so it was uh, it was a good thing to start with. Um, that's all I knew at the time, really. And as time went on, I went to more clinics and with Buck and, and some other guys and read and learned more and then increased my knowledge more. And, and, uh, and as you go along, you get better and better at what you do. And so you start to change little things because maybe something else is a little more important than you can see at one time. You know, I could see at one time some other things that were important till I learned more yeah. and then I could see it and teach more. So it's a, it's a process. And the, the biggest thing is the guy just has to keep learning and I'm addicted to learning. Yeah. And uh, so as long as you keep learning, then you keep gaining on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do. Thinking back, uh, you you said you went to a few of Buck clinics, Buck's clinics, and, and others. And um, I know you you got to know uh, you got to know Tom Dorrance, right? I never did you, get to meet him. You went to his. You uh, had that posters there with all those. Yes. That, that, what was that? His memorial. Uh, that was. Uh, what, you, what was what was that? That was a Tom Dorrance benefit clinic. Okay. That uh, Ray Hunt did. Tom was in poor health. Mm-hmm. So he did that to generate uh, income for his medical expenses and things. And uh, the hope at the time was that Tom would be able to come down and be there for some of that. <clears throat> but he was in poor health and couldn't make it. But he would watch the whole thing. It was kind mm-hmm. of video live or however it was done. Yeah. And so he got to watch the whole thing every day. And I was 
invited. Everybody was invited to participate there. Wow. You didn't just go. And so I was the only mule invited to go to this thing. Well, you talk about pressure now. (laughs) (laughs) All the top dogs were there in in the horse industry. So... Yeah, I brought my best mule and my best saddle and my best dog and everything, everything I could just think of. Look good here. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was quite an honor. That was that would have been a, a career honor for me. Yeah, that's to be amazing. invited to that and yeah, and go go be able to do that. And my only hope was that Tom liked my mule. Yeah, when he saw it. Yeah, but uh, well, I hear he did like mules. Um, uh, he did. I heard that too. Yeah, I learned. I've had a few guys come to my class classes that have been to his classes, which puts a lot of pressure on me, right? And they show up like, yeah, you know, and these are you know older fellas or whatever, and I say, sure. I wrote I wrote with Tom one, one piece. <laughs> what am I going to show you? You know, I don't know, but uh, I never got to meet him either. That was one fellow I wish I could have met, and sure, I could. I wish I, you know, everything I've I've heard about him and learned about him, and I've. Every home video that I think is out there of him, I've tried to round it up. Huh. And all his writings or, or things that were written about him, I try to yeah. compile them. Yeah. And he sounds like such a genuine, good human being. Yeah. Um, so you got to go to this benefit deal. What an honor. I mean, that's huge. Very much so, yeah. Um, and Ray Hunt was was out there telling you mm-hmm. how to live your life, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to, uh, I, I never got to meet Ray Hunt either. Do you got anything you would like to say about Say about him or what you you partook or learned. Well, from him. I went to just a few of his clinics. Uh, that was one of them, and uh, and it was. I wish I would have known more about horsemanship. Been a little more advanced in my own knowledge when I got to go to some of those. But you are you are where you are. So right. I went to him, and uh, the 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 biggest thing that uh, I always had to really think about was he really liked to do, have everybody do serpentines for hours. He'd do serpentines. And so that made, that really got me to thinking, why is that so important? It must be really be important if Ray Hunt's having us do serpentines out here for an hour. And uh, so you, with with Ray Hunt, in my opinion, anyway, you kind of had to hunt for the reason. Yeah. And, but that was okay. Uh, nothing wrong with that. And, uh, so it was, it was pretty good stuff. And, uh, when we were at that particular benefit clinic there, it was packed and, uh, the arena was just packed. I don't know. There was 30, 40 horses out there or something. It was packed. And I was excited when I went down there because my boyhood idol was going to be there. Larry Mahan. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was my boyhood idol. Yeah. I had a little book that he wrote back in the 70s, The Fundamentals of Rodeo Riding. And I took that with me. I thought, I'm going to have him autograph this thing. And so we were out there riding, and Larry Mahan was on the greenest colt that anybody could have been on. And every time that colt, every time I'd kind of get close, and that colt would kind of get close to my mule, he'd blow up and take off to the other end of the arena. There goes my boyhood idol running <laughs> off. <laughs> so I did, it was later on at the banquet dinner. I finally went up to his table and got to meet him and, and uh, asked him if he'd sign my book. He couldn't even believe I had one, but, yeah. but nice guy, and he signed it. And, oh, yeah. But, what a legend. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, man, that must have been, there must have been all kinds of cool folks there. 
there was, was yes. just, yeah so that's amazing so and several of those folks you know signed that poster that you saw hanging in my shop yeah. there and some of those guys aren't even around anymore yeah so uh that's pretty special pretty special poster there yes yeah it is yeah serpentine sound familiar hunter yeah yeah <laughs> just a little bit <laughs> you're probably thinking yeah why did we do serpentine yeah. for an hour huh <laughs> <laughs> well it's important did you notice today hunter though how all those meals changed yeah after serpentines for yeah. 45 minutes yeah everybody's about to die mm -hmm. and, oh, sure. and, and that then by the end of that we were living yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's a little yeah. change yeah yeah uh, no. but uh hey that's pretty neat so um let's talk about just let's talk a little bit about your um your career uh you know 20 years on the road that's a lot of that's a lot of road miles and there's a lot tires used up and mules used up and people met and you know i mean all kinds of stuff what was your what was your favorite thing back in those days about being on the road i mean and it may not have anything to do with in the class i don't know maybe it does what did you like about being on the road that got you 20 years of of career well i did enjoy traveling uh in the western united states <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, you don't like you don't like south dakota <laughs> no that's part of the western united yeah. states yeah take west it. river yeah. yeah oh my gosh going back east it just you know the interstates are solid semis and the rest areas are completely filled at night with semis and it just the traffic never ends day or night or whatever that that was a lot of work but i did enjoy traveling out west seeing different places and oh yeah different things and and of course, you see him out the windshield, you know, and think, well, by golly, next year, I'll stop, we'll stop yeah. here and tour around a little bit, but it never happens. But anyway, yeah. but it was, that part of it was pretty good. Um, out of all the places you've been, out of all, I mean, you've been all over. What What's your favorite? Well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but uh, <laughs> probably, it probably have to be Alberta. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. There's some beautiful country up there. Yeah. And I, uh, I haven't been, I haven't been, I mean, I've been to Calgary, you know, you look out over to the mountains there, Yes. but I, I you know, I, I did a clinic up there, uh, but I was out towards the prairie. Okay. So I didn't get over to all the gorgeous stuff. I just saw it from a distance. Sure. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. I did a clinic in Canada there for 13 years in a row wow. at Olds. And then, um, uh, I got a, Got a deal with Ron Warner, uh, Warner Outfitting, where I started doing a trail clinic with him, and we pack into Banff National Park. Oh wow! For a week, and and just it was a clinic situation, um, in the arena when you're talking to people and they have questions. It's you get well, what if you know? Uh, okay, we're doing this lateral stop, but what if? and and you can talk about what if and what to do but on the trail clinics we actually stopped and did, and worked on it if something couldn't cross a muddy spot or whatever there you go everybody stops we work on it until the rider and the mule are doing well and then we go on and uh, those things were just great in the most fabulous country you talk about big country hunter that's big country up there and it's beautiful oh, and yeah. uh, so i did that for a few years and those those were great clinics and great, just beautiful. As a as a clinician, as a teacher, 
I, I enjoy the application clinics like that more personally. Sure. Because, you know, you, yeah, you're out there. You, you're, you're there doing it. So either trail riding, working cows, that type of stuff, being out, that's, yep. that, I, I love that. Sure. You know, if yeah. I can do more of those, I would. You know, yeah. It gets yeah, you out. For sure. And, and uh, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, you're right. Big country up there. Yeah. I'd still be Even. doing that clinic if I, if I could. <laughs> that, that, that was nice. That was a good deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to take another quick break right here. Thank another one of our awesome sponsors. And uh, we come back. I got some more stuff I want to talk about, Brad. Okay. Sure. Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine, and uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little, and I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years, and she has done an amazing job. Um, also, did you know that Meals More comes in a digital format? You can download it on your phone, read it wherever you're at. So. Hey, be sure to check them out, mulesmore.com. And, uh, you know, hey, tell them Ty sent you. I'd be very grateful. Mulesmore.com. All right, Brad, you was just you were just saying you maybe want to talk about uh, how you got to this point in your life where you, well, you, we've talked about it before. You appreciate good gear. And um, I remember, I remember uh, for me, it was a flashback to my little childhood. We'd go to a branding every year. And of course you're a punk kid. You just, you know, and I wasn't good at roping. I'm still working at it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I remember this branding, this guy coming in there. What I now know is a bridle horse. Then I didn't know. Sure. I just saw fancy, pretty stuff, <laughs> you know, and, and gear. But, but that was my little segue into this buckaroo great basin buckaroo culture i see and uh remember he had tapaderos tapaderos on i don't ride tapaderos these days much but but he had tapaderos i remember those uh, silver bit and nice head stall and he was just i just remember him catching every time riding <laughs> there and you know and i'll be like him i want to get off this stinking ground i've made it a goal in my life to rope every branding not have to get on the ground again yeah i've heard you don't <laughs> like groundwork <laughs> yeah, so i want to get in that you know i want to rope and uh anyways but but that was my introduction to gear and i remember i've always since then just had a, 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 a it catch my eye you know what gear people yeah. are using and and uh, same thing for you why, why don't you tell this story about well, uh, like I said before, I grew up riding horses and packing mules because that's just what you did, by golly. And uh, so I got a job packing for the Forest Service over on the North Fork of the Salmon River District, and that is some rough country over there. And uh, my my first job when I got there was to get these two mules that they just bought from California, able to saddle and pack before we could go out. and, and uh, But we went out and... There was an outfitter in that area there, and uh, he was a good outfitter, had a nice string of mules and whatnot. And the, the first time that I saw this guy, we were in the Forest Service at that time on that district. They had a ragtag pack outfit. But anyway, that's what I had to work with. 
And so we're going up the trail and this guy was coming down some switchbacks and I got out of the way. And, and uh, so he come down these switchbacks. He's riding a real pretty red mule of some kind. He had a string of pack mules behind him and this real pretty red mule with a silver bit on it and just coming down the trail. And I thought, oh, that is cool. I got I to gotta think about this. This is this guy went by, and I, that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. Oh, yeah. Real nice-looking mule just going along perfect and real, real nice silver bit. And so I ended up uh, one of the one of the mules there that we had. It was pretty gentle, and, and after a while, I ended up putting my riding saddle on it and riding it back in the hills there a little bit. And, uh, of course, I didn't know anything much about it. So we're just kind of waller down the trail and back, but I was riding a mule by golly. That was mm -hmm. my, kind of got started there. And I often, you know, I tell people oftentimes just me and my own independent character, I guess if all my friends would have been riding mules, I'd have probably rode a horse, but <laughs> they, were, they, were, yeah. they were all riding horses. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I can still picture that, that pretty mule coming down the trail with a silver bit on it and, I thought, wow, that's, I got to get there. Yeah. Why well, didn't you know where there was, but. <laughs> Planted a seed. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. There's all these, these people in your life, isn't it? It's just, yes. just one thing after another that kind of leads you down this road. And, and, uh, and now you're making just gorgeous, gorgeous gear. It's just Thank amazing, you. you know? Um, so when you started doing your clinics, were you interested at that point? in like making a bridal mule or were you just kind of functionality? Cause I think back even just for me, just 10 years ago when I started, you know, um, I didn't think anybody's interested in making a bridal mule. Mm. I mean, I, I had the seed planted and I'd like to, you know, um, and I kind of had made a bunch of snaffle bit and hackamore meals. I never had finished one out at that point, even when I started uh -huh. doing clinics, uh, it was just functionality. So when I started teaching people, I'm like, okay, this is how you can get along and, and you know, have your ride a little bit better. Sure. But how, how what, what was the point of your horsemanship and mulemanship when you started clinics? Were you into making bridal mules at that point or what were you doing? Well, uh, it was a goal. Mm -hmm. uh, but to be honest with you, I was, uh, when I first saw this, life-changing videotape and yeah. started doing this stuff i was trying to figure out how to work snaffle bit because i okay. you know we never had those or anything but um but yeah the it was uh it was definitely there as an idea mm -hmm. and uh i went on then that annie was probably the first one i ever i ever made oh yeah proud meal i ever made and and uh i've had a lot since then and and better ones of course you know yeah. but uh but yeah, it was, it was an idea and probably because of this silver bit picture that I see that, that yeah. guy coming down the trail. I don't know, but yeah. yeah, I mean, this is like I said, that guy at the branding, you know, just, you kind of get that little picture in your mind and you're like, Hey, yeah, I'll, I want to do that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even know who that guy was. I never, I don't even know, sure. you know what I mean? but it influenced me and yeah. maybe want to do that. So it was Annie, the first bridal meal you made from, from beginning to the, to the end. Yes. Nice. I had, uh, uh, you know, I've had all kinds of experiences making different segments of them. Sure. You know, yeah. You get them going good and snap a bit. Then, like you said, you go down the show and somebody wants to buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
have a lot of snaffle bit meals, <laughs> which is the the biggest part of the bridal meal process, anyways. But right, yeah. But still, it uh, yeah, it's fun to finish one out and see the end goal, and and I'm sure as you made each bridal meal, you said they were better and better, right? Because you look at that, you know, when you kind of, you know, the cliche is you're never finished, right? But right. when you're finished, so to speak. You look at him like, all right, I'm going to do something different here when I do this and that, and uh, well, yeah, you get better each a, one. It's a learning thing, and if nobody ever finishes one, at least finished is to where your abilities are finished. Yeah, right? yeah. And but if you don't finish one, then you don't get as far with it because when when you do finish one, then you can look at some things and say, well, if I change this way back then that would be a lot better today. If I did this a lot different way back, that would be a lot better today. And so you, then you experiment on the next one. And, and, uh, if you're fortunate to have a next one, uh -huh. but, uh, so that there is definitely a thing there that, uh, you, if you don't finish one, then you're, you're just kind of in limbo. You may not know it, of course, uh -huh. but, um, but you're kind of in limbo there that uh, maybe you don't realize that you could do a little better earlier on and make this a little bit better later on or quite a bit better later on. So uh, definitely a, a thing to aspire to. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of folks uh, uh, that are intimidated by the whole process. <clears throat> sure. And I say, go for it. Yeah. Because just like you just said, you're going to learn you're going to learn and, and it's going to make the next meal better. So speaking of Buck, one of my favorite, favorite things I've heard Buck say, I was at a clinic with him down in New River, Arizona. And he says, when he was some participant, he says, go ahead, screw that horse up. And we're all like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, screw it up. Then you make the next one better. He's like, don't just sit there and still ride, do something. Yeah, It's okay. Mess it up. And then your next horse is going to be better. Yeah. And a lot of people get intimidated by the whole bridling process because they're like, oh my gosh, you're looking at six years plus sometimes yeah. of making this. And, oh, I don't want to do that. It'll mess it. Go ahead. Yeah. And it, it'll make your next one better. Sure. And it'll teach you so much. Another, I don't know who said it originally, um, but there's a, there's a kind of a saying that goes that you, you'll never know how to, how to start a mule until you've finished one. You'll never know how to finish one until you've started one. You you have to you need both ends of the sure. the spectrum to be able to to do a good job. Sure. Well, it takes a few meals to get there. <laughs> right? It does. Yes, it does. And uh, a lot of people, I'm sure you experience this as well, that uh, they're just happy being in snaffle bit. Yeah, that's fine. And that's, that's okay. That is okay. It, it's okay. You're only going to get so far in a snaffle bit, but if that's as far as you want to go and you're happy. Have Hopefully. a good ride. Is there nothing wrong with that? It's kind of like you said. If everybody's riding a mule, then you wouldn't have. Yeah. If everybody had bridle horses and mules, it's not that cool anymore. Yeah, you, know, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of special. Yeah. To finish one out like that, and sure it's it an accomplishment. Yeah. So you've you've made a few bridle meals in your life. Uh, when you've got to that that progression, that you're straight up in the bridle, and you look back, what are some things that you wished? you would have had better in the beginning in your snaffle stage, your hackamore stage. What, what was the most common thing? Or, I mean, you probably had different things with each meal, but 
to get your juices thinking, um, I've got one that's in the Tourane that's almost, she, she's basically, like you said, at the top of my ability, she's, she's ready to be stripping the bridle. But as I look back, I think, boy, I wish I would have got you, you better at, at bending and maintaining the bend without so much support. Hmm. Because I realize now that, oh my gosh, you got to reach down and got to reach down and, and assist so much more. I wish I would have on this particular mule made it more muscle memory to achieve that bend without mm -hmm. so much support. So that's, that's one thing that just recently on one meal that I'm, uh, I wish I would have done better on. Well, um, I don't know if this will answer your question, but it may, um, at one time I used to be a pretty good hand at one time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> at one time I got, to, when, I, when I started the clinics, um, and started, started a cult starting class, then it was a quick, you know, weekend clinic. And, uh, so I got real good at starting a mule and first saddling and everything one day and riding it the next day. And I do however many were in that class, get them all saddled on Saturday. I'd ride them all on Sunday and then hand you, it back you, to the owners. You would do it. You would do it all. I would do it. So yeah. for the people listening, Brad, you're going to give them all ideas. I don't do it. Brad, don't tell them this, <laughs> but Brad would saddle them. And then the next day he would put the first ride on and then participants. Yes. And then they, I would hand them back and say, good luck, I guess. Yeah. And, but after a couple of years of that, I thought, well, I better make, try to lengthen this out. So the participants yeah. can get something besides the mule on the end of the lead rope at the end of the clinic. But, yeah. and on my own too, I was, I'd work them and saddle them for the first time one day, ride them the next day and go on with it. And with some of my own that I went on and, and finished, that's when I realized that there was so, I was missing all kinds of little fundamentals by starting them that quick. I could do it. Mm. It wasn't that difficult. You could do it. But I was skipping a lot of fundamentals and I quit doing that and went back to making sure all the fundamentals were there first and then going on so and you know there could be many different things in those fundamentals but it's just you understand what i'm saying i'm sure mm -hmm. um but yeah that was uh that was a big awakening for me because so i thought well i've missed a lot of stuff <laughs> got the mule going yeah. in good timing but yeah. i missed a lot of stuff and all those little basic fundamentals uh they need to be covered and they need to be good with the mule and then your progression on is, is a lot better and it goes a lot farther. So, Oh yeah. But you got to finish them out to find that stuff. You do. You yeah. got to hang in there. Yeah. One thing I've noticed among you and a lot of the really good hands that I've been around is they can stick to it, stick, you know, stay with it, stay with it, you know, and, and, uh, one thing I've learned is, is, is most people, you know, as I travel around, uh, and I'm sure you saw a lot of the same thing, most people um, have the right idea. You know, they, sure. they, they have, you know, they're not out there to screw their mule up. Sure. They don't want to have problems. They're not trying to get embracy. They're not trying to, do, most of them have the right idea and they're, they're, they're basically doing the right thing. But most people don't do it long enough. Yeah, sure. You know, this, that, they don't hang in there. And um, it takes some dedication. I don't know about you, but 
I enjoyed the cult starting above all, mostly because I fig- I figured it out now. It's instant gratification, right? <laughs> yeah. Yay. They, they saddled. <laughs> Woohoo, right? Oh, I can pick up a foot. Oh, I didn't get bucked off, right? I mean, it's instant, it's instant gratification. You sure. enjoy it. And I enjoy that process. I love it still now. But, um, you know, and I enjoy the Snafflebit stage because it's all new, right? You're teaching, you're teaching, you're teaching. Where I have a hard part is from the hackamore on. Mm. Because it takes it takes finesse and dedication and patience. You don't you don't get those big changes, right? You, you go out, you'll sure. ride for a month and you don't see a change. You might not see it for two months later. Um, but ha- what was your favorite progression? Snaffle, Hackmore, Two Rain, Bridle. What what did you enjoy the most, or what do you enjoy the most? Well, I guess my my favorite part of those pieces would be the two rain i love the two rain yeah and uh but i i enjoyed the hack more too i mean i enjoyed it all really but my favorite was the two rain yeah yeah it's fun to have that have it you know let's try it let's try it out in that bridal rain a little bit oh it didn't work let's go ahead yeah. and pick up on them for for some of my people listening here um i mean i've done plenty of episodes talking about making a bridal meal so most of my listeners by this episode, I think this is going to be episode 161 or something. Wow. They should know, but if, if they just tune in for the first time, why don't you tell them, Brad, what, what the terrain is, what this process is right here, this progression of the terrain. Okay. The terrain process is basically a, um, you're, you're, you're taking what you've put in there with the snaffle bit and the hackamore and you are, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, transitioning to the full bridle. So the two range, the transitional stage. So you're riding it in a hackamore, very small hackamore, but you have a hackamore on like you've been riding in the hackamore before. And you're also riding with the bridle in. So you have your hackamore reins and your bridle reins, two sets of reins in your hand. And it allowed you just those, the length of them. And uh, at first, when you first go into the two rein, you're riding with your hackamore reins and kind of leaving your bridle reins alone because you don't want to, you don't want them to get worried about the bit and you don't be pulling on the bit and things like that. They got to learn how to carry it while they work and while you're riding. And eventually they get more and more comfortable with that. So you can pick up your hackamore reins and your bridle reins at the same time. And eventually then you're riding more on your bridle reins than you are on the hackamore reins, but you're still in the two rein. But it's a, it's a transitional piece to go from the hackamore to straight up in the bridle. And uh, it's a, it's a, you can make with your hackamore on there, your little half inch hackamore uh, or I'm sorry, Two rain hackamore, which should be a three eighths. Three eighths um, or a quarter, yeah. You can make all kinds of little adjustments with that. <clears throat> you can't make a lot of adjustments with your bridle rein because there's a stiff bit in your mouth, but you can make all kinds of little adjustments with that hackamore rein, and it really helps to uh, really refine them into understanding what the signals are going to be from just the bridle. Perfect. You know, I. It's, it's a, it's that transition is so important for them to learn how to carry that bit, you know, and, um, 
a lot of people miss this whole thing because I'll hear somebody say, oh, I put that bit on my meal and they didn't like it. How long dried it? Oh, 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm like, you know, like I'll let my Colts these days, I let my Colts just pack a snap a bit. I'll just put it on off sure. a, a month or maybe two months before I, I start riding them. And I don't even touch the snap a bit on them. I just let them just wear it. I don't touch it. Mm-hmm. And then later on, when I'm in that two-rain stage, you know, I'll put that 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 bridle on, and I let them pack that bridle bit for three three months, four months maybe before I even touch those bridle reins, uh, any signal at all, you know, by themselves or whatsoever. I just use that hackamore sure on them, and it it takes it, they need that time to learn to carry that and and learn how to pack that that weight and um, get comfortable because yep. just like today in class. Multiple people, <clears throat> why does my mule work the bit? Why are they chomping on the bit? Why is the tongue over the bit? And I just say, don't worry about it. It'll it'll come through. Yeah. You know, it'll come through. Uh, one, of the, one of them was really worried about a tongue over the bit. Okay. And I, you know, and you can elaborate on this more so than I can, I'm sure. But I, I said, you know, don't worry about it. For one thing, you got to snaffle bit. So your snaffle bit is designed to be a lateral tool. So for your for your functional functional use of this bit, you should have no worries because you're only operating one rate at a time. Who cares if it's over the bit right now? Sure. Don't worry about it. It'll work itself out. But uh, anyways, you got any anything you would say about when people say, "Hey, why has my mule got a tongue over bit?" or or "What do I do about this?" What would you well, say? Uh, what do you do is uh, usually there's a reason for that. Typically. Not always, but typically the reason for that is too much pulling too soon. Yeah. Which is why you just put yeah. a snaffle bit in their mouth and let them water it around until they're uh-huh. comfortable with it. Yeah. But a lot of people get on and then they start pulling and whatnot. And the mule's got to find some way to get away from all that. So they throw their tongue out over the top of it. And oftentimes that is a habit from that. But um, if you're riding in a better manner, and handling your reins in a better manner, then the mule, kind of like you said, it'll probably find a way to get comfortable with it and quit doing it. So you can still ride them, mm-hmm. you can still bend them. And uh, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, <clears throat> I want to flip back to your your uh, your clinic career real quick um, before we uh, finish this out here in a minute. Um, is there any is there any highlight of your clinic career that you'd like to to share that just you know that was just the what was your what would you just love about it i mean was there a highlight moment that you remember like oh that was that that made it all worth it um well i would i don't nothing to comes to mind as the moment but in general it uh and I'm sure you find the same thing because you show up in the first day, oh my gosh, they're all over the place and they're this and that and they're confused and, and they're not sure what to do. And the second day, it's a little better. And the third day, everything's just floating smoothly. Everything's working smoothly. Everybody's getting along with their mule. Every mule is getting along with its rider. And when you, or at least for myself, when I drive away from that, that's the thing. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I get to looking forward to that last day because that it's just, well, 
hopefully it progresses to that. Otherwise, you might have to reevaluate your teaching abilities. But most of the time, you know, you get to the clinic and oh, your meals are running off to the gate and who knows what all. But by the end of the clinic, everybody's working smooth and nice and everybody's got it. The meals got it. And, yeah. and that's a great thing to drive away with, right? Oh, man, it feels good. Yeah. I was doing a clinic in uh, Alabama. And that's Bible Belt country, right? <clears throat> and, you know, then you got your southern accent. And this lady at the end of the clinic, she said, Mr. Ty, on day one, it was confusion. On day two, it was frustration. But on day three, it was revelation. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that, huh? Yeah, kind of like that. You know, I said, hey, man, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I was doing a clinic in Idaho one time and there was this guy in the cold starting class, big burly guy and uh, big old saddle. And, and uh, so we went through the cold starting class and the, the approach was all new to him. And so the last day they're out in the arena riding around and he's way off in the corner by himself working on the soft feel or the light response and just totally, absolutely, totally focused on this. And, uh, and he'd been that way the whole time he was out there. So I rode over to him and, and I said, you're really starting to get a feel for this, aren't you? And he looks up, he looks at me, he says, well, it ain't like trapping bobcats. <laughs> and that's it. I don't know what that meant. But anyway, <laughs> I rode off and left him be. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't like trapping bobcats. Okay. <laughs> bobcats. <laughs> Hey, uh, we're going to thank another sponsor real quick here, Brad. And when we come back, I'm going to let, uh, we'll close this out and I'm going to let old Hunter ask you a question or two if he's got any. Okay. Sure. Hey, we want to thank our sponsors, Western Mule Magazine. Ben and Anita Tennyson do a amazing job with their magazine. I've been writing for them for a few years now and, uh, they're great. Look up westernmulemagazine.com and check them out. All right, Brad. Uh, well, I appreciate you, you you being willing here to answer some of my questions and and uh, talk with me today. And but I got my intern here, Mr. Hunter. Yeah. And he's. Do uh, you got some questions for Mr. Brad? I do. All right, go ahead, buddy. Um, so you said that um, when you grew up, people rode horses and they packed mules. Yes. And so when you saw that guy on that pretty red mule, is that the first time you tried riding a mule? Um, yeah, I think it is. No, I take that back, actually. Uh, when I was 15 years old, I broke my first mule to ride. And uh, it was this nasty little mule that we had. And my dad only used it. He couldn't catch it. and He couldn't do a lot of things. And my dad only used it when we were packing hay. We needed everything in the string to pack hay. And so he decided to sell it one year. And he thought that it would sell better if you could ride it. So that was the first mule I ever rode. But beyond that, uh, this this one that I saw on the trail there and started riding after that, that was the first one that I rode that was my idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um so so when you first started doing clinics, I mean there's a lot there's a lot of people out there who are good at breaking horses and good at breaking mules and sure. stuff and they're really good with animals, but when it comes to people 
Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who aren't people, people. Yeah. You know, and so when you first started that, did you have any troubles with people at first, you know, trying to get, teach people how to do some things that you were doing that's hard to. Oh, yeah. Uh, the biggest problem I had was uh, remembering everybody's name. <laughs> but I I got good at that after a few years. You learn how to make things work. And, but, but there was a problem with the teaching, but that's in the teacher. So that's where I really had to work hard at becoming a better teacher. And uh, once I kind of got some things figured out there for myself, uh, then it became easier and easier. But, um, and I like people. I'm not a total hermit. You know, I don't <laughs> I like people and whatnot. So that wasn't a big deal. But just learning to teach, that's, that was a tough one. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And you, you deal with so many different personalities. Oh yeah. At a clinic, you know, you got you got one person that you you got to be soft to, gentle. You got another person that kind of needs some prodding, you know, and 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 would thrive off of a little bit of a, sure. you know, a little bit more. When I was when I was in college, I got to rodeo for Louis Fields. Remember Louis Fields? Uh, great, oh, great. Yes. I mean, incredible. Bareback rider, bronc yeah. rider, all around cowboy. I learned so much from that man, but one of my mentors. And uh, he was a hard man, but he was always fair, you know. But he, but he was, he was just. What I loved about him is to the point, no beating around the bush. He just tell you, I thrived under it, but some guys just just hated it, uh -huh. you know. And they and he'd kind of run them off a little bit sometimes, you know. But uh, just an incredible man. But uh -huh. yeah, it's just how he. I I remember I was at one rodeo. Well, my first college rodeo, and I won the first round, I won the second round, I won the average. Uh, and I'm kind of pumped up about it, you know. And Louie comes up to me, and he starts chewing me out. And I remember him calling me a chicken. He's like, what are you, chicken? I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and this is on the second bronc, you know. He's like, well, you pulled your leg back really fast. Were you scared of getting bucked off? And Well, no, sir, you know. And, and he kind of goes into me a little bit about my ride and Louie was so good. He could break down the ride. It's almost like how you could do, you know, when you're teaching your students, you could say, Hey, when you did that, change that. This, okay. this, he was like that. And, uh, anyways, he's railing, he's railing on me. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, of course I'm a cocky college kid and I just won both rounds and the average. And I say, well, I won it all, didn't I? And he's, and he, and he was walking away when I kind of said that and he turned around and he looks at me and said, did you score a hundred on either of those horses? <laughs> no sir <laughs> well there's work to do then huh you know but he was just he was just tough white you know and some yeah. people need that kind of i i did i do good on that sure but other people he had run them off and so yeah teaching yeah trying it's... to fit all these different personalities yeah uh, and these days yeah i'm sure you'd agree with this most of the time you're dealing with people uh from a their fear standpoint yeah and you know they've got some fear in there they're at this clinic on this mule that might do we don't know what and yeah. people and and so you're dealing with them with that emotion coming out at you and, and uh but you can learn to look by that and yeah see who they actually are underneath there and and uh but yeah it's uh it's an interesting thing and boy you get to be an incredible judge of character i think and got, to this yeah, day, you know, I see somebody and if I'm around in five minutes, I can 
pick out what their history was and what their problems yeah. are. And, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. You can kind of tell where they're coming from. Yeah. You know, well, you, well, you got to get that way and you, you got to get that way about the mules too. Right. Oh, yeah. You can, you, yeah. you do the same thing with a mule. You can look at it and pretty soon I know, you know, I, I could kind of judge, you know, probably 80% accuracy that mule's life. You know sure. what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. this is, this is kind of how things have been for this mule, you know, and, <clears throat> with a, within a few moments. So you get that way about meals and the people. Yeah. So, yeah. It seems like you have to be able to read people as well as the mules that being this clinician stuff. Yeah. And the mules, the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, they're not really trying to hide anything from you. The mules just being a mule. So, yeah. well, this isn't the meal business. Yeah. This we're, is we're, people. we're in the people business. Yeah. You, you got to, I'm, I'm not here to, I'm not here to train anybody's meals. Yeah. You know, and I realized that. And you learned that, like you said, with your cult starting or you used to do it all. Yeah. Yeah. And then you went, no, now the people do it. You know, I, I did the same thing. The first few years of my clinics, uh, I would get my hands on every meal. I'd usually write every meal. Just, I just did that. Cause that's what I thought I had to do. But, well, now I have to refrain from <laughs> doing anything until the last, if, if I see the, the humans on the edge of maybe quitting, I'll let them just go almost to that point And then I'll back them off because I don't want them to crash and burn. Right. Well, and uh, you know, you gotta, but yeah, we're here to teach the people. It, it, yeah. it doesn't matter what you can do with their mule, just what they can do with their mule. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not, sure. I'm not going home with their mule. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. any other questions for Mr. Brad? Um, so were you pretty much the only person doing mule clinics at that time when you did that? Yes. Yeah. The only, I mean, I haven't heard of anybody else besides. No, I was, I was the only guy. Yeah. Who the heck would want to do that? Yeah. You know? So, uh, so that was, that was okay. Um, but, uh, and then, uh, but fortunately as time goes on and you kind of slide off of that and go a different way, well, fortunately there's some other young guy out there wanting to kind of pick <laughs> up the flag, so to speak, and, and carry it on. And that's good, you know, because, uh, this way of, uh, working with mules, it's, I don't think it's, it's still not popular. No, it's not. Oh, you know, we're still weird. Yeah. You know, this is, a, and, this is uh, different. So it still needs to be even more so probably still needs to be out there yeah. for people to grasp hold of it and really do some good with it. So it, uh, fortunately, uh, you're out there doing what you do. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. You got anything else? No, it's just uh, wonderful meeting you, Brad. You too, Hunter. And we'll see, we'll see each other again. Yeah. So start saving up your pennies and buy yourself a nice head stuff. Yeah. Brad, huh? Yeah. It might take me a few years. <laughs> yeah. You save up, but, uh, uh, Brad, at the end of my, my show here, I like to ask my guests, um, if there's any advice and just, it could be any life advice, it could be mule advice, uh, mulemanship advice, whatever you got. Is there any advice you'd give to, these my friends that are listening today uh, on this show um that would help them going down their mulemanship or horsemanship journey is there anything you'd like to tell them well uh the only thing i can think of really is uh i think i touched on this briefly earlier but uh, is to keep learning keep going to ty evans and learning things you know you can learn I didn't pay him to say that. You, you can learn uh, <laughs> something from everyone, they say. And oftentimes I've learned a lot about what not to do from people. 
but I guess that is still learning something. But uh, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff out there that's going on with with Ty and and uh, probably a few others that I just don't know about. But um, stay out there and keep learning, keep building the relationship with the mule you have or the mule that you maybe are going to have later, you know, but, uh, cause it's a good thing. You, you can't get too good at it. Oh yeah. It's good to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. You can learn from everybody, every situation, every moment, every mule. Mm-hmm. The mules are the best teachers out there. Uh, if you just pay attention. Sure. Right. I mean, just, that's the hard part though, is paying attention. It is. Yeah. <laughs> that's tough. My, my dad's big deal for us when we were kids is always pay attention. I think he says that about a hundred times a week, even today. <laughs> pay attention. Pay attention. Yeah. You know, we, cows, horses, mules, doesn't matter. Pay attention. You know, we, uh, we, we talked about him just for a moment, but you, you know, you, you went to a few of Ray Hunt's clinics. And, um, one thing I learned about Ray, uh, well, in fact, he's got a book, you know, his book, think harmony with yeah. horses. And, uh, apparently he would autograph that book to everybody and he had right. Think and sign his name, you know, to, to, to yeah. most of the time. Yeah. But think, you know, it, it goes right with your learning. You got to be thinking to be a learner, yes. to be a learner, right? So think. Yeah. And uh, so important. So, hey, Brad, uh, man, this has been a pleasure. Uh, well, I've enjoyed it, too. Yeah. I'm glad we got together on this, finally. I'm glad Liz made you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she forced him at gunpoint and come on down here. And, uh, no, I appreciate you, though. Really, I do. And. And thanks for that dang nice head style you built me. Oh, yeah. Can't wait to put it on a bridle bit. I and, can't wait to see it on and, a uh, bridle mule. Yeah, so. that'll be good. That's going to be really cool. So yeah. I'm really grateful for you. So, hey, uh, to all you listeners out there, uh, appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, as always, I'd love to hear from you. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. Uh, Brad definitely deserves five stars on his on his show here. So thank you. Um, and also, uh, if you got questions or anything, um, you can always email me, ty at tsmeals.com or visit our website, tsmeals.com. So, hey, God bless you, and we'll see you down the road. <laughs>